Welcome everyone to the Spectrum of Health podcast. I'm Dr. Christine Schaffner, and today my guest is Masami Covey, and we're going to be talking about healing ancestral inheritance with liver and bioflow. Uh, a little bit about Masami. She is a health intuitive, functional nutritional therapist, and internationally recognized speaker. Masami reveals the root causes of imbalance using intuitive insights, whole person approach, and laser-pointed guidance. She has the ability to translate our subtle body language and provide practical daily tools, nutrient recommendations, breath work, and more. Masami was born and raised in Japan in a bicultural family, and she draws extensively from her blend of East meets West culture, language, and energy medicine, as well as years of professional training and experience in functional nutritional therapy, yoga therapy, positive neuroplasticity, Ayurveda, and applied linguistics. She's a faculty member of the Shift Network and a frequent speaker in health and energy summits, podcasts, and programs. Please check out her website, masamikavi.com, and I hope you enjoy our conversation. Welcome, Masami. It's such an honor to be able to talk to you today. Thank you so much. I've been looking forward to this. Dr. Christine, it's just such an honor to speak with you. I am oh. so, so honored to be with you here. Oh, thank you. Well, you know, I know we connected probably almost a year ago and we've been wanting to have this conversation and the universe found the divine timing for us to connect here today. And I just love your work and we do very different things, but we have a very similar conversation and very similar language. And I, I'm here really excited to learn from you. And I know my audience is as well. And you're going to bring in this whole other perspective. You know, I know we talk about the liver and bioflow from all the things that we teach and share all the time, but we have this whole other lens to see the uh, the body and, you know, all of the things that it can share with us. And so before maybe we ta- dive into that, you know, um, that topic and first conversation, I want to make sure my audience knows a little bit about you and knows a little bit about your work. So obviously, aside from your bio, if you want to just share what how you fill your day and how you work with the, the wonderful work you do with people. How do I fill my day? <laughs> Depends, but you know, I am always, I love learning. So I am always spending some time learning, going to pubmed.gov and, you know, I'm always reading new scientific journals and things to educate myself. That's number one. When I do work with clients, I am working on individual level as well as groups. And it's based on really looking at what are their symptoms, but ultimately what are the causes? So I don't just throw everything but the kitchen sink kind of a band-aids at them. And a lot of them will come in with, I'm sure you know, it's like hundreds of supplements and hundreds of places they've been to. And they seem to be coming to my door, knocking on my door towards the end of their search. So my work every day or how I show up is to try to educate them to go into a finding mode so they're not stuck in a seeker mode for the rest of their lives. Because I think if you are always seeking, and I have to find, you know, fine tune that to myself because I can get down into the seeker, seeker mode and then go, go, go and start researching and learning. And it's a never ending rabbit hole. But yeah. my goal in life with everyone is to be a seeker, but ultimately finding, finding who you are by going inward. So mm-hmm. it's all about embodying who they are and dwelling in who they are. And many of my clients are very spiritually oriented. They have done a lot of work around their traumas, maybe even chakra clearing, work around energetic fields. And they've been to a lot of functional medicine, doctors, and so on and so forth. But 
they're coming to see me with all kinds of physical symptoms that are showing up and, but also sleep issues, emotional issues, um, maybe relational issues, but all that I need to have them come back to their bodies. And so it's all about residing inside their lungs, in their hearts, in their liver, in their gallbladder. I want them to come home because I do believe that all sickness is homesickness. Oh, I love that. I love that statement. Um, All sickness is homesickness. I'm going to quote you. (laughs) And I I think that's just, you know, what obviously that we see a lot of patients who, you know, have struggled, right? They've struggled. They're very uncomfortable. There's a lot of suffering in the physical body. And I think as we have this other perspective and other lens, you know, the more I learn about life, I, I believe our physical bodies are just an expression of, you know, a spiritual opportunity for growth, right? And the more that we can look at things from all these angles, that's as you shared, that's where, you know, true healing or really like embodying, you know, the life force that we all have access to, um, you know, fully. Um, I, I think that's just, yeah, what I'm, I feel, you know, trying to accomplish as well with my patients. And so with that being said, right, there's all of these influences, right, that affect us and, you know, that we come here, I think, to learn and grow around. And this idea of ancestral inheritance or transgenerational or epigenetic inheritance, I mean, we we use these words a lot potentially when we think about like family history or in our genes, but this is like looking at it from this whole other influence in how our physical bodies in this present day can be, you know, we can be working through some things that are pretty, pretty old and impactful that we're coming to heal. So can you just, before we kind of really go into like the liver and the liver function and bioflow, like what are we talking about when we're talking about ancestral inheritance? Yeah. So I think, you know, definition of ancestral or ancestors Maybe some of us will get stuck with, well, my grandparents or my great grandparents, and then, you know, I don't have pictures beyond that, or I don't know anything about them, or some of the clients that I work with been adopted, so they don't really know where they exactly come from, let's say, quote unquote, come from. But I'm not talking only about that, the direct lineages that you can figure out, but it's really the, if you go back far enough. So for instance, if you go back even 23 generations or not even that really halfway point that at that point, you and I share basically the same ancestors, you know, mm-hmm. so ancestors are not particularly bio-individual, but it's also collective. So I think we have to hold those two opposing kind of a concepts, right? It's not either or. Well, I'm not talking about ancestors of just your grandparents or my grandparents, but it's our collective. And then that's where we tend to inherit things from also as a trauma, but also we inherit our traumas from a direct lineages also. So make sure that the, you know we understand there's and both here, the collective mm-hmm. ancestors that we all share, and then also the individual ancestors. Inheritance that, that we have that I'm going to be talking about a little bit more right now is more on the bio-individual side, but there've been so many studies done that the genetically we can, uh, if our parents, grandparents have gone through starvations or Holocaust or war zones, they've been doing a lot of studies around, around the Holocaust survivors and the PTSD, and then what that does to the next generations and the, even the, up to four generations from that point. 
And what they've seen is that the, it does alter the biochemistry of your body. It can change the expressions of your heart health to maybe they tend to have blood sugar dysregulations to maybe they have things like Alzheimer's that come in really fast for those generations or the people that have their grandparents have experienced or great grandparents have experienced wars or anything like a genocide. So those things are being studied and these are very scientifically understood understanding. I mean, we're understanding we're really at the beginning right now, but we're starting to see that. You know, how I got really interested in more of a liver and gallbladder side of it is that when I started to go deep digging into this, I found that the, the children of Holocaust survivors with PTSD have lower rates of methylation. And I thought, huh, isn't that interesting? And then so that led me a little bit further into the liver and gallbladder side. And if you don't mind me going down that a little bit, yeah, yeah because we can go into how the our grandparents' traumas can impact your blood sugar and then your your life overall, your heart health, your even expression of your thoughts and emotions can be impacted. But when I started to look at the liver and gallbladder, it was so clear. What I mean by so clear how the impact was and the negative impact was, is that a lot of my clients would come in and see me with a constellation of symptoms like the wastebasket, you know, like the garbage can symptoms of all kinds of things from everything clogging up to tinnitus to things like irritable bowel syndrome to maybe edema, you know, things like that. Like I can list all kinds of things and chronic uh, fatigue syndrome, all those things. And then I started to go down that road and I noticed the 99% of the time the per- people that I, w- I was working with or I am working with are having liver and gallbladder congestions. And I thought, well, what is going on here? So then that's what led me to start to study the, is there an ancestral trauma component to this? And the answer is yes. And if we don't address both, so once again, it's not either or, it's not that you can just work on your liver and gallbladder and feel good about it. But if you don't do the trauma work, the emotional work, and the healing side of that, then you can't really clear the liver and gallbladders and create more flow there, but vice versa, because I work with spiritually oriented people that would say, I've gone to all kinds of healing things. I've done this and that, and I've journaled. I do dream journaling. I do divination. I'm talking to my ancestors, but they're doing nothing to address the liver and gallbladder congestions. So I started to see, okay, there's got to be a both that can connect together. And if we did that, what would happen? And then that what led me to think about, okay, but the liver is a regenerative, powerful organ. So we can regenerate the liver. We can create new liver for the future. So then I started thinking, if we work on our liver and gallbladder now, we have a potential of healing the future, like the Native Americans have taught us. It's like seven generations ahead, right? So you plant a tree today so that the seven generations from this point forward can have their own forest. 
you know, so I'll, I'll stop there. I, I'm not questioning. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I, I know. I, I love this. I, I couldn't um, have you keep going, but I think it's a good place to pause. And I know this is amazing, right? Amazing um, insight. And I'm sure you saw people's health accelerate once you combine these things. And I think that's a missing piece of the equation often, right? Looking at beyond just like phase one and phase two and phase 2.5, phase three elimination and this whole field affecting the epigenetic expression of maybe down-regulating the ability to process, whether it's process life, the environment, what have you. And we can't really heal or have forward momentum unless we look at, you know, I think about the field informs the physical, right? And so if we're not attuned to that or creating solutions or healing on that level, we kind of are in this hamster wheel of symptomology and not truly getting to the root cause. Did I summarize that okay? <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's the modern terrain that the, we yeah. talk about, right? right? So I think the modern terrain is the chemicals. Yes. I use that word all the time. I just love how in sync we are. The modern terrain. I'm like, not what do you treat? I'm like, I'm like the modern terrain. <laughs> That's what we treat, you know? <laughs> and the modern tra- train, uh, ter- terrain's bucket just gets bigger yeah bigger, right? So there's the heavy metals in there. Yes, there's the chemicals in there. There's microplastics in there. And there are horrible GMO foods in there. Okay, all these things go in there. And I'm saying that the maybe there is this ancestral part that needs to go into the bucket of modern terrain also. And we can't dismiss that because the science is starting to show more and more that the generations after generations of trauma And if we don't address them, they do impact your expressions of your own body. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean that you can't um, do something about it, right? Because this is epigenetics. We can change the way we interact with our own genes. But that being said, I think the ancestral things really need to be in that modern terrain as well and not be a separate category. Like, Mm -hmm. oh, we're going to go study ancestors. You know, it's like, no, ancestors may need to be included as a part of our modern medicine also, Mm -hmm. because there's a toxic footprints that we are, we do inherit. Mm -hmm. And that isn't just from heavy metals that we inherit from our mothers or different chemicals that we inherited, but also there's an emotional component. There's a traumatized side of the component that we inherit, that footprints are in us. And what metabolizes that and what um, basically creates regeneration of that is the liver's job. So Mm -hmm. I say, you know, people say liver does about 500, 600 things. But I say to people, liver does about 700 things because it's also doing the ancestral healing and emotional healing and your own trauma work also. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I love this. And so it's like if anyone's listening, right, and they have done all the things and they're still having symptoms, right? I think this is a huge opportunity to have this perspective and also just really have the awareness that in um, this life, you have the opportunity to clear that from your lineage backwards and forwards, right? Um, And I think I, I love that 
what you said around regeneration and preparing for the future. Um, and I think that's just a beautiful insight. I mean, I have a almost four-year-old. So I, I think about a lot of the work that my peers are doing and we're all doing. And, you know, I very much think there'll be a paradigm shift in our lifetime, but I, I get really excited about also thinking about laying the foundation for her, you know, and her generation, because I think that's a big part of what we're doing right now. And so I love that. Probably people are like, how do I do this? Like, what are we talking about? How do I get this out of my liver? Like get this out of my biotex? Like, how do we, how do we help people facilitate this? They are several things that you can do, and I would love to share them. And, but before we get into that, I wanted to mention a couple things, why I find the liver gallbladder and also, you know, that's connected to lymphatic system as well as if your gallbladder and the bile is not flowing, then your thyroid is going to have issues as well. Um, and so there's a direct connection to the suppression of our own voices, particularly, you know, why uh, more women are having thyroid issues, why more women have to have their gallbladders removed. Um, so there is a connection there too. Um, so I think we are living at the time where culmination of all the suppressions, all the traumas, all the things that let's use feminine body as an example, but we have been suppressed and oppressed. And that is starting to show up, not even starting to, it is showing up right now in the female bodies. And so that led me thinking about, okay, well, how many gallbladders are we actually removing these days? Because when I started studying the functional nutritional therapy, it was about 500,000 um, gallbladders were being removed. This is over about 10 years ago in the United States. The newest one that I found is 1 million gallbladders are being removed yeah, according yeah. to Harvard, yeah, Harvard Medical School Journal. So I'm thinking, okay, how do we go from 500,000 to already doubling that in the time that I started studying about the physiology? So then, you know, coming back to what, what do we do? How do we support our gallbladder and liver? Before all that, I think we have to stop and pause and realize that it's like we're standing on top of a hardened, maybe crystallized, created stones, like a gold, sto gold stones, kind of a crystallized trauma surface. So imagine like if the river is frozen and then you're trying to do all these wonderful things on the top. So the snowflake starts to come down. So you're doing sound therapy, you're doing color therapy, you're doing chakra balancing, you're journaling, you're going to see different doctors, you're doing these maybe wonderful supplements, you're doing different diets, but it's falling on the ground that is frozen solid. It's crystallized stones of traumas. Then it just piles on top of that. I'm not saying that the, those things don't do anything. Yes, they do wonderful things. They are changing our lives, but we may need to stop, pause, look at it and say, where do we all come from as human beings? But where are we standing How's the health of this mother, Gaia? How are we treating this mother that the, we're standing on? All those things really do matter because if we just pile on wonderful tools on top of the frozen lake or frozen river, you are not going to create a real flow. So number one, maybe we all just need to gather around like Rachel Remen Naomi says, you know, Naomi Remen, that's her name, says, you know, kitchen table and come together and let's talk because she says everybody is a story, right? 
And we are not doing that. We're not sharing our stories. We don't come around to the kitchen table and share a cup, you know, the pot of tea together and say, let's just talk. Mm -hmm. And without any agendas, without any solutions, can we just share our stories? Mm -hmm. But in the spiritual community, I think we've done a really terrible job, to be honest with you, by telling clients and people saying, you're not your story. You need to get past your story. You need to go beyond your story and Mm -hmm. ascend and go into a different realm. And you don't get to talk about your stories. Well, when you don't talk about your stories and you hold on and you and you collect your traumas and pain and generations of that, they do become hardened and crystallized. And it's very difficult to start breaking them. And so that's how I connect the gallstones and the 1 million gallbladder being removed could be possibly there is a connection to the fact that we're crystallizing our own personal stories and we don't get to ever speak about it. So maybe that could be a first step is to collect people, find people through Zoom or whatever that may be, that you can sit around and have a tea time with somebody that you can begin to share. That Mm -hmm. might be the first stage of removing some of the crystallized stones. Mm. Oh, wow. Yeah, no, that was really beautiful the way that you tied that all together. And, you know, linking about to, as you mentioned in the discussion, like the connection with the throat chakra and the thyroid with the, you know, the gallbladder. And, you know, people don't have um, on a physical level great bioflow, they're, you know, more contracted and, um, you know, their the thyroid suffers. So I see that, you know, connection open up, you know, your voice, your story, your throat, and your liver flows, right? And so I think we just are coming out of this time where, hey, we're still in it probably for a while, <laughs> you know, this, you know, isolation and disconnection and polarization and, you know, all the things that are not bringing us together, right? And so I think part of the collective healing for the future is coming together and sharing. So yeah, I think that's a beautiful start, right? And everybody, hopefully on some level with some intention and thought can find that in their life connection and sharing stories what other like how do you work with people in really helping to resolve or heal this ancestral imprint that's affecting their physical body yeah so then i I do come back to the liver and gallbladder first you know before we do anything else because the liver is such a this like a quiet workhorse and it's doing the best it can but it really does require a little bit of your attention And because liver is so quiet that by the time it shows up on your blood test or it shows up on your doctor's checkup time and it's, that's, that's, it's not too late, but it's been going on for some time, right? Mm -hmm. So it's the cultivating the abilities to listen to the liver, to attend to the liver, um, because it's so quiet that you have to quiet yourself to listen to it and using your own hands. And I'll show you some things that you can yeah. do, you know, connect with your own hands, with your liver. Before I do that, I want to share this. Like I translated this from Japanese to English because I read this in a Jap- one of the Japanese articles that I was reading several years ago. It said, clean departure from this life and this earth requires clean liver and healthy bioflow. So I thought, oh my goodness, clean departure from this life and, and earth. And I'm, I started thinking, okay, how many people in your, your bio individual 
ancestors have had clean departure from this life? Well, not many. I can't think of too many in mine either that I know of. And when you think of human history, not many people have had this like a clean, beautiful, serene departure from life. Most of life has been pretty traumatizing, to be honest with you. Human history hasn't been easy. Um, So I think this is when our generation, we have chosen to come into this world at this time. All of us have to this very intriguing and interesting and very complicated and challenging time. So Mm -hmm. I think for me, what I want to focus on is how do I make sure that I have a good liver that is healthy and clean and I have a healthy bioflow so that I am contributing to the next generation that way. And one of the things that I love doing with the liver is that the liver loves to be touched. Mm. And that's very important to remember because liver is very quiet. So it doesn't ask you to do anything. You know, it's it's doing its job. It's so quiet. It's not going to ask for any kind of support. So it's pretty bad. Okay. So number one, I love to actually clap, clap, clap your hands, Mm -hmm. bring some prana between your hands, right? And then you can rub them and create some heat between your palms. And this is something I learned from my grandpa, Japanese grandpa. And then you blow some air into the palms and bring some prana back in, right? Mm -hmm. Then place your hands directly on your ribs, which is about the size of a football. And it sits right underneath your right ribs area. And you can just start to rub it back and forth, side to side, okay? Heat that area up. You can begin to think of a green, foresty green. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just like you're walking through a beautiful morning, misty air, and you're walking through a forest. Liver goes, oh, yes, I love this. (laughs) And then you can start to, and I call this, um, one of my clients called it the jiggle and giggle because I was showing (laughs) this. And she said, oh, let's name it Giggle and Jiggle. So you're going to start jiggling your liver. So up and down, up and down, jiggle, jiggle, jiggle. Or like whipping kind of motion is good too. Like you're creating like egg whites. Okay. So jiggle, jiggle, wiggle, wiggle, and side to side. Yeah. And then play, keep your one hand there, maybe right hand, and tap, tap with your left hand. Creating that little bit of a flow, but also vibration and frequencies. Mm-hmm. Giggle, jiggle, and I call it little burp. <laughs> and then that, that just is, and then just stop that for a moment. You can even close your eyes and just notice that region of your body. Mm-hmm. You may feel a little more spaciousness. Certainly the liver smiling for you. Mm-hmm. And then just imagine kind of the softening because what happens is that when we start to get unhealthy in our liver. Liver starts to get hardened. They become like a rock, right? Mm. And I think for the, our future for ancestral healing is to soften our liver and then open our hearts. Mm. Those are two very important gestures that we can hold in our bodies because what liver does is one of the things that the liver does is that it cleans all the blood beautiful nutrients and the nutrients get shuttled to your heart. So whatever doesn't get processed in the liver, your heart has to kind of go into, oh my gosh, we have to process whatever liver didn't process. Anger, resentment, frustrations, judgments, all these things, your heart goes, oh my gosh, I'm trying to have 
joy and happiness and love and peace, but this is recirculating through our system. So the liver really needs to be attended to first. Mm -hmm. And then another thing that the liver loves is to be twisted, Mm -hmm. right? So it's like ringing out. Mm -hmm. So you can even twist one direction. And as you twist, really lift your spine up, Mm -hmm. inhaling up into the heavens, connecting with the mother earth, inhaling, and then exhale and go ahead and twist. But as you twist, you may let go a little bit of that resentment that you might have inside you. Maybe a little bit of frustrations that you have accumulated. And then go to the other side. And as you twist to the other side, think of your ancestors that you know about. And if you don't know about your ancestors, you can always think of the human ancestors who has come before us. They've all been through difficulties. No exceptions, really. As you exhale, you release some of that out for them. Breathing out. And the sound, like like S sounds, are really great. Or even SH sounds are also lovely. So you can twist that out. Yeah. And then slowly come back to center. And I think doing that regularly will help this organ which is a great inner alchemist, right? That is what that liver is. That is making lemon into lemonade. That's what the liver is doing. And the liver loves lemons too, by the way, right? The citrusy taste, but that's what it's doing. So when you're twisting, you could think of like creating a lemonade, right? Squeezing the lemons and making a lemonade, moving through it. That is going to give a little bit of attention and a little voice to the liver that is so quiet, but working so hard for you every minute of your life. Mm, I love that. I'm, I'm so excited to have more of these tools to share with uh, my patients, you know, and everyone who's listening. I, um, you know, we've done over the years, like castor oil packs, of course, and sometimes even living liver compressions, but this is like a really nice, the, as you said, more space and the lightning of um, that energy, right? And the majority of my patients um, do have congested livers, right? Congested livers, congested bile, you know, so I, I think this is just a whole nother lens to help people with. And, you know, one of the things um, I'm thinking of, so there is this idea, so we have the collective and the individual. And do you feel like it's necessary to go into like the genogram and understand the unresolved traumas of our ancestors? Or is that just not even that important at this point? So the answer is really both and, but (laughs) at the same time, it's not necessary to me to go a lot further. I mean, if you, that's interest you and then that's something that you have a ways that you can collect those informations. That's great. But I also find that a lot of people, and I will just, you know, maybe talk about the clients that I work with, they tend to do a lot of trauma work, emotional work. They're working with somebody to release it, emotional clearing, chakra clearing, and a lot of detox and this and that of the emotional side. And what I found was that they were starting to get exhausted doing all that work of digging. And mm-hmm. there's a lot of re-traumatizing that can happen from that also. Mm-hmm. And, and they weren't doing anything to support the physiology. They weren't sleeping well. Their blood sugar was dysregulated. And 
you know, eating and snacking all day long. I mean, that's going to have an impact on not on your adrenals, but that's going to have an impact on your pancreas and your liver because they're the pals that are working together, right? I thought that the, why can't we bring both together, but it has to be managed better by individuals. So how much digging are you going to do? How much of the ancestor work are you going to do? And is this going to be managed and supported by your own physiology? So you always want to come back to the body, mind, spirit. You cannot just be doing the the emotional work only and forget the body part because a lot of them come to me, they're wiped out. They've done way too much emotional work. And I also find that the emotional work is a little too masculine in its approach mm-hmm. because their approach is all about clearing, removing, um, getting rid of. And uh, so there's a lot of like a cleanse, clear, remove, get rid of that kind of attitude. And for me is I want to shift that thinking of a very masculine approach to emotions and the physiology to more of a feminine side where nourishing you a little bit more, resting you more giving you what you need, more touch, more love, uh, receiving side, giving side. That is what's also important too. So I think knowing about your past is fine and knowing about your ancestors, very important. But I also think that can be balanced with the feminine practice of maybe creating an altar or maybe attending to, to not just your ancestors, but the the earthly ancestors, right? So it could be trees, rocks, rivers, whatever. I mean, there are ancestors as well. So elements, five elements, you can bring that in and have a little bit, maybe set aside, maybe even one hour per week that the, you quiet down yourself and you sit by a tree of your choice or sit on the rock that the, you love and just commune with the rest of what this is that's holding all of us together mm-hmm. and to honor them. And I think that honoring ancestors culture has completely disappeared, almost completely disappeared from the Western culture. I'm from Japan. I grew up in Japan. So I saw that regularly and that was being done all the time. But when I moved to the United States and that was stripped of me, like it was cleansed out of me, I lost kind of a huge part of who I am because I wasn't in touch. I wasn't nourishing my ancestors and ancestors weren't nourishing back to me because they didn't, I lost touch with them. So I think that's more important instead of maybe too much digging into your lineage and then um, get all your genes checked and then, you know, where you come from and all that versus can we just sit with the fact that the, we sit on top of our ancestors? We are supported by our ancestors. That includes five elements also to just pause and say, thank you. You know, thank you. Um, and our ancestors, that's your bio-individual ancestors or collective ancestors, they also could use our support. So you could say, may you be at peace. You know, may you be at be happy also. And may you be healed because some of these energetic fields are still in this realm right now, unhealed. And that's what we are breathing in. That's what we're consuming. That's what we're unable to digest and metabolize and emulsify, right? So that's why we we need to offer our healing towards them too and not one-way direction. Give me healing. Give me healing. <laughs> 
You know, and, you know, another thing that I think the liver and gallbladder would really appreciate us doing is this gorgeous practice of Ho'oponopono. Ho'oponopono practice is a beautiful practice that you can use for different organs, but I use it particularly for the liver and the gallbladder is that I put my hands on my liver and gallbladder and say, okay, I'm here for you, first of all. And then as I, after I rub and then I do the giggle and jiggle and the little burp motion, I say to the liver and gallbladder, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for mistreating you. And you just pause, let that vibration be absorbed by the liver and gallbladder. And you say, please forgive me. Please forgive me. And you begin to hear the liver say, I love you and it's okay. So hear that back. And then you definitely want to say thank you. Thank you, liver and gallbladder, for doing so much for metabolizing my traumas, my ancestral traumas, the earthly traumas. And thank you for converting that into grit and our power and love. Thank you for doing that. And then lastly, you want to say, I love you. I love you, liver. I love you, gallbladder all that you do. Thank you for metabolizing all this and nourishing the heart, nourishing the rest of us. Yeah. So you can start doing that Ho'oponopono practice of, I'm sorry, please forgive me. And I love you. And thank you. Thank you. And I love you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Those can be really powerful. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's beautiful. Yeah. No, and that feels, I love your approach in that as you mentioned, sometimes we get fixated on too much of all the things, right? And this is just being in that state, right? Of, you know, gratitude and receiving, but also adding, you know, that dimension of, you know, trusting that just bringing the awareness is healing the field, you know, and I I just, I, I love that. And, you know, as, you know, we wrap our conversation, you mentioned a few times about nourishing the heart and opening the heart and kind of these masculine, feminine ways of uh, navigating life. And so I would love for you to share just maybe some thoughts about really how to have our hearts nourished and remain open through our our healing. Mm. No, I think there's so many things that uh, you can do, but one of the things that I think it's missing maybe perhaps right now in our lives is big laughter, right? Mm. And kind of the silliness of giggling and you have a four-year-old, so you get silly with her, right? Totally keeps me in that moment for sure. And the moment you start giggling and laughing. So when the liver can get jiggled and giggled and little burp, all that energy will start moving up like a little fountain of bubbles starts to come out and your heart loves that joyfulness and the funniness and the curiosity. And I think that's what we're missing in the heart center is a sense of wonder, but also curiosity. Mm. We're all looking for solutions from somebody else, right? You want somebody else to tell you exactly what's wrong with you. And mm. it's always about what's wrong with you, right? That's that's kind of, you know, our work is all about people tend to contact. They don't tend to contact us when they're doing great. They tend yeah. to contact, uh, contact us when they're not doing great. So you know, if we can just say, I'm just wondering, I'm just curious, what, is, what are these symptoms trying to tell me? 
And if you could just pause and instead of saying, where more tools, you know, give me five things that I can do today and get things done and give me, give me five supplements that I can take today so that I will feel better by tomorrow. Kind of that is the approach that we take. But when we do that, it hardens the heart because the heart needs that playfulness and a giggle and and a little bit of a curiosity. I wonder what's going on and where what what where is this going? Like that's what heart gets excited about. And that's what children's all about, right? They're like, well, why is that? How is that? They're always asking you questions. So that kind of like, I'm just going to show up to this life, not knowing exact what tools I need to know today, but can I just show up and say, where's my toy box, right? Can I open a toy box and see, are there anything I can play with? So playfulness around the body, even though you're in pain, Mm -hmm. even though you are having chronic fatigue syndrome, even though you might've been diagnosed with something always remember that you have a toy box inside you that you can open up and say, can I be playful with this? Can I just sit with it and say, okay, can I create some beauty from this? So that's important. And I think speaking of beauty, if you can find every day something beautiful, it could just mean you know, the right before your daughter wakes up in the morning, when the chaos starts again, inevitably, it's that moment of silence that everything seems to be very quiet. That is a moment of beauty, right? And not to say that the chaos doesn't have beauty, but to make sure that the, you train your neuro, neural pathways to look for beauty. Mm-hmm. Because when you can consume more beauty as your foods, you can start to rewire your brain. Mm -hmm. And that's when neuroplasticity can start to kick in also. But Mm -hmm. when we don't look for beauty, our limbic part of the brain is always going to be looking for danger. Mm -hmm. So the beauty creates safety because we can't look for beauty if we don't feel safe. Mm -hmm. And I think so much of our ancestral traumas and what we have inherited inevitably has taught us to look for what's dangerous Mm -hmm. and what's to fear what is going wrong and what is going to deteriorate and what is blowing up in our faces Mm -hmm. but that's because that's how our ancestors survived right if they didn't look for danger none of us would be here today right Right. Mm -hmm. so it's great that they looked for that but we may need to start changing our own expressions of who we are by looking for the moments of beauty. So that teaches our brain to rewire differently. And when we do that, our heart opens up and our heart can soften up just naturally. Mm -hmm. And the liver, the hardened liver can begin to jiggle and giggle in little (laughs) birds. And the crystalline structures of the stones in your gallbladder and begin to soften and release. Mm-hmm. I love that. That's so beautiful. And I didn't mean to have a pun on that word, but it's true. <laughs> it's, yeah. Down the, you know, we, you know, the antidote to a lot of this, you know, is joy and laughter and beauty. And as you mentioned, um, we're wired, you know, we physically heal when we're in these 
in these states. And so, um, yeah, just in, you know, when you're in it, sometimes you, it's hard to see, but it, it's just a moment here and there, and then you build upon it. Right. And you create a ritual or a routine around it and becomes more of your life than when you started. Right. And that, that energy propels and fuels only more of it. Right. So, so no, I, I think these are wonderful reminders. And I guess as we wrap up, is there anything else on your heart that you want to share? I mean, this has been really insightful and I think you're giving people a lot of new um, insight, you know, maybe where they're stuck to create um, more ease and flow in their lives. And so is there anything else, Masami, that you feel like sharing? Yeah, I think, um, you know, my my goal in life, I think early on, I knew this, that I wanted people to come back to their bodies. I wanted them to stop separating the mind from the body or the heart from the rest of the body. And, you know, the world is changing finally, that the even the neuroscience and psychology, all those things are starting to incorporate the nutritional side of it. And the body is coming back to this equation. But it's so important that we remember that the, your soul is housed by your physical body. Your soul has a home called body. So when you feel that sickness, you know, when you feel isolated, when you do feel like you don't belong, anywhere and you feel that nobody understands you that is body way of calling you home and saying come home to me you belong in me this is where you you reside and it's so important that those little voices you hear the anxiety you feel the depression you feel that is your body way of calling you home because your soul is saying could you come home so we can have a full soul expressions Right, we're here to fulfill our soul contract, but we can't fulfill that till you actually come back to embody who you are from the body, mind, spirit level, and those cannot be separated. And you know, we have to stop doing kind of specialized medicine that we go for one doctor for something else, and then you go to another person for something else. And where do we start to stop that kind of that kind of a practice, it starts at home. It starts in you. So mm. you can change the future of medicine. You mm. can change the way you interact with the world by you coming home and stop ignoring and stop dismissing that the, my body won't do what it wants to do or body won't come along with me or this, this, you know, body is broken. No, it's not. It mm-hmm. loves you. It loves you. And it loves you. And it just wants you to come home so that the you can fulfill your soul contract. So that's what I ask of all of you and start with touching and jiggling and giggling <laughs> your liver. Yeah. Oh, oh, that's so beautiful. And I'm so glad you ended on that note. And I think um, it's giving a lot of people um, who are listening this sense of empowerment and, you know, this new chapter, right? New beginning for people who are, you know, resonating with this message, which I'm really excited to share. And Masami, I know that you create wonderful um, things all the time for people to learn and heal and grow. And so I would love um, for you to share anything that you'd like people to know to stay connected with you. You're just such a wealth of information and knowledge, and I want to make sure people um, can find you. 
Well, thank you. Um, they can just go to masamicovey.com and you will find all kinds of interviews and videos. And I do a lot of free calls as well and the health intuitive calls that I offer. So please go check out masamicovey.com. Awesome. And we'll have all of that in the show notes. And I, you know, have so enjoyed connecting with you and I can't wait for our next conversation. And I am um, really grateful for your time today. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you all for listening to the Spectrum of Health podcast. I'm Dr. Christine Schaffner, and I hope you enjoyed my conversation today with Masabi Covey. Please check out her website and all the wonderful work she's doing. If you want to learn more about my work and my practice, check out my website, drchristineschaffner.com. And I have a clinic in Seattle, eminencehealth.com, and a wonderful team of practitioners where we're doing this work. And we can see you in person in telemedicine, depending on the state where you reside. Have a beautiful day.